Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Sports Hockey Podcast, Justin Cuthbert and Julian McKenzie, and it's Father's Day. So mm-hmm. Shout out to the fathers, but more importantly... Uh, maybe not more importantly. Father is very important. Let's give them their due. Um, but this is the morning after game two of the Stanley Cup final. And that's what we're here to talk about. Maybe we can do some father stuff later. You always like bringing up fathers, don't you, Julian? Well, anyway. well I mean, I, I, I mean, I do like bringing up your dad. I mean, my dad's cool We talk cool about too. yours too. We talk about yours too. We both have yeah. cool fathers. Yeah, our dads are pretty cool. I'd like to think. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to check in on my old man after I do this and, uh, you know, spend some time. You know, probably talk about game two or other fun stuff, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's good to check in on your dads. But uh, also, you know, for people who it's a difficult time for because of either difficult relationships with their dads or mm-hmm. uh, they don't have them in their lives. They're either just not there or they are not on this earth right now. Just a good to give a note to those people as well, because today can be a very difficult day. Uh, for those people as well yeah it can be a tough day uh, mother's day father's day to be on social media because you know rightfully so people are celebrating their mothers and fathers uh during this little stretch of the calendar but uh you know if that's not as simple for you as as it is for uh, many people then it can be uh, a bit difficult so shout out to everybody everybody that was a father is a father wants to be a father all that stuff uh father's day love father's day um, I will check on mine as well because he probably, knowing him, left his glasses in Colorado on the way to Tampa Bay. <laughs> something going on, so I'll, I'll check in on mine uh, as well. But more importantly, Stanley Cup Final Game Two, and it's really, really easy after a seven nothing victory for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, when posing a question, is this over, Julian? No. Here's the thing: I've seen a lot of people say that it is over. And Colorado has definitely looked like the better team. I would feel differently about it if Colorado won both games in Tampa and took away home ice advantage. I would also feel differently if Tampa didn't go through adversity in the first round and the third round where they had games where they looked completely outmatched and found a way to rebound. I mean, they were down 2-0 against the New York Rangers in the conference final. They played two games at home. And then went back to New York and then back to Tampa and won. And they that's why they're in the Stanley Cup final right now. I think for the Lightning, the fact that they get to be in Tampa for games three and four, having home, home ice advantage, having last change, there's an opportunity for them to at least try to jump on some of the matchups. I'm not saying it could work, but I kind of want to see how game three goes 
before I say this series is over because I, I feel as if Tampa has played so well this postseason and over the last two, three years that for me to just kind of say it's over, I kind of want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't think it's fair. I think they have to at least get a win in these next two games. That being said, though, I think they have to win both game three and four. I, I don't think I don't think it's a situation where they could just get away with one win in the next two games and then hope and pray that they can come back from a 3-1 deficit because Colorado has shown one, they've shown they can win on the road. They haven't lost on the road all, all postseason. But at home, with the way that they've looked in the playoffs, they've looked in this series. If they have an opportunity to clinch at home, it's it's gonna be night night for Tampa. So Tampa has to win these next two games. I wish I could say I was with you, but I, I, I think this is curtains. Uh, it's, you know, we just saw it again, the Eastern Conference final against New York falling behind 0-2 at Madison Square Garden. But the Colorado Avalanche aren't the New York or the uh, uh, are the New York Rangers. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, you that's the team. That's the team that plays in New York. Uh, yeah, they're not the New York Rangers. This team is on another level, clearly. I mean, they're on their way to maybe the cleanest postseason we've seen in the salary cap era beating the 0-2 Kings who, or oh, the uh, 12 Kings that uh, just shocked everyone from the eighth seed and just, uh, you know, trounced through it. Um, they're on a different level. They do things differently. They're scoring at a 4.75 goal per game pace. They're just overwhelming and they don't look like they're going to be able to be slowed down. Uh, I feel like, you know, we we talked. We we even expected this, right? We ex- I think you and I both expected Colorado gets the first punch landed, and then Tampa gets back in this series late and perhaps wins it. I think we both opened that uh, open that uh, possibility as we were sort of teeing up the series. But you know, I've wondered about Tampa at different times in these playoffs. You know, have they have they finally hit that wall? Is it too much? Can they possibly have more gas in the tank? And while it was maybe a question worth asking against the Leafs and certainly worth asking against the New York Rangers. There was at least the path forward that you could see. I don't see the path forward here. I don't see an adjustment. I don't see something that could change the fact that one team looks miles ahead from a speed standpoint and looks deeper and fresher and hungrier. And I think that's a big thing. Like Colorado is not playing with this food. They don't care. They don't care about what happened before. They don't care about what their opponent is. They are just trudging through this and not looking back. And it is very, very impressive what they've done, how they've mixed this hunger and this ability to perform at this very high level. I just don't think that there's a rabbit that John Cooper can pull out of his hat at this point. Uh, I could look like an idiot again, although I've been riding the lightning to this point. Uh, I could look like an idiot again, counting the Tampa Bay lightning out. But this is a team, Colorado, I think is better than anything Tampa has encountered on this stretch of 12 series in a row, 11 of which previously they've won. I just think Colorado is a little different. I think it's their time. I just hope, honestly, that Tampa wins one game so that they can celebrate the Stanley Cup at home because that crowd deserves that type of night. Because if we get one more rendition of all the small things and we are minutes away from the Stanley Cup being awarded to Colorado, that might genuinely be one of the coolest things we see all postseason long. Yeah. The, the only thing that Colorado would need to do is literally bring back Blink-182, the original band, for them to perform at Ball Arena as it's happening. And also, I feel bad 
for fans of teams like Dallas, who apparently also do this tradition, because after this postseason, everyone's just going to look at them and be like, oh, we're well, copying the Colorado Avalanche because this tradition belongs to them now. Like if it, if you if you play all the small things at any point in your arena, everyone now from here on out is going to say, oh, well, you guys are trying to be like the Colorado Avalanche because the way the fans have responded to this, and I've seen it at different points in the regular season, and I always thought it was cool, but the way mm. that it has been shown throughout this postseason and the energy that is flowing in the arena when it happens, it, it gives me vibes of, of like, remember when, when Nashville Predators fans were, were in vogue in like 2016, 2017 because of the way that the arena sounded during that postseason? Yeah. I'm getting those same vibes. That energy is there. And, and with the way that we all watch hockey and the way that we enjoy these games – the crowd is a big part of it, and they deserve so much credit for how they've been able to push their guys on. The fact they played in the first period of game one, the game was tied. That just goes to show how important that tradition is. And the fact that like it's it's been co-opted by Colorado, that's also that's just really cool to see. And I, like I said, I feel a bit I feel a bit bad for people who have it in their own arenas and, and they're gonna be up to be like, Well, we did it too, but no one's gonna really care well, as much. Well. So yeah, it's it's gonna be nuts. Colorado's taking a couple. I think uh, you might be too young for Lit, the band, uh, my own yeah. worst enemy. Uh, they're yes. playing that, I believe, after All the Small Things, which is a great song. It's even better than All the Small Things, <laughs> in my opinion. But apparently whoa, the Red Wings whoa, do that. Okay, all the small. I, I love All the that. Small Things. I, literally, I love All the Small Things. I grew up on Blink-182. It is the best, dumbest song in the world. Like, if you listen to lyrics, like, it just, what, what are we even talking about? I have no idea, but everyone knows the lyrics to it. Everyone can sing it. It's great. That's a, but that lit my own worst enemy, uh, a great song as well. But apparently, it is. Apparently, the Red Wings do that if social media is, is correct. And I then they're doing that better. Like, li- listen, no song is safe with the Colorado Avalanche because they have the best fans in the game right now. I don't think it's even close. Like, they are, Colorado is the model franchise in so many ways. But like the atmosphere in that building, plus the style that they play, the team, the amount of talent on that team, like everything is at a 10 out of 10 right now for them. Everyone in the hockey world should want to be in that rig right now, experiencing what it looks like, what it feels like. It's awesome. It's impossible to not love what's going on in Colorado because it's so, so cool. And again, to my previous point, I just hope they win it on home ice because I can't imagine what the scenes will be like. It'll be so awesome. Kind of weird that like there's a chance that history in a weird way could repeat itself after 20 years because we, the way the Colorado Avalanche looked in 2001 when they won with the with the pieces that they have, there were a lot of people I'm sure became Avalanche fans off that run. And now with the way that the Avalanche look now, 20 years later, there's a possibility where you could see an uptick in like you know if you were casual watching the game, you could see a lot more. It's all young people. It's awesome. Like. Uh, listen, it's it's different for us because we're in Toronto and Montreal, respectively, and you need money to go to games. Like, I would never, and I am so privileged to be at many Leaf games, as many as I want to be, because uh, I'm credentialed. But even so, I, I mean, I went to a Leaf game. I paid for a ticket, what, 10, maybe 10, 12 years ago Man. with my high school girlfriend against the Florida Panthers, and they lost two to one. And I told myself, because it was so boring the game was so irrelevant i told myself i would never pay for a ticket again because it's not worth it paying all this money for something that is better on tv but if it is a great team and a great atmosphere it is worth it and what makes that atmosphere is not people that can afford 
to go all these games and not care if it's a dud like that Florida Panthers game was. It's rich people. And rich people are not as boisterous as the people that are going to these Colorado Avalanche games right now. And maybe they are spending a pretty penny. Maybe the economy is booming in Denver right now and all the young people have the money. But I just feel like that's the sort of model you want where it's accessible to young people. They can change the game. They can have a, have control of what the atmosphere looks and feels like. And that's just not something you're going to get in every NHL market. If you want to be an NHL market that is, or an NHL franchise that is hitting it on all cylinders, you need to make the game more accessible and you need to make the atmosphere better. And again, that's not a problem that some franchises can fix, but it's something that others can look at in Colorado being like, okay, they're the model franchise for more ways than one. How do we get that team? How do we get that atmosphere? Uh, that's what everybody should be striving for. Okay, three things. Uh, one, when she start when you started talking about rich people, I was thinking this conversation was bordering on on an eat the rich conversation, which I don't know if we want to talk about on this podcast. That's, yeah. Uh, the second point, uh, the last time I went to a Canadians game, just in attendance was also with the significant other I was with at the time against the Florida Panthers, except the Canadians <laughs> actually won that game, and it was not a dud. Was it awful? Uh, it was not. It, like, it was like a blowout win for the Canadians, actually. It was okay, Bell Center does have an atmosphere, so I should have been actually a oh, little bit on. more careful because I, I have never been there, and I want to go there badly. Oh, um, But it's, it is better than Toronto. I shouldn't have lumped those two together. Toronto is completely different. That's fair, because 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 even even through this terrible season as it was for the Canadians, there were so many moments where the electricity in the Bell Center was still being felt, even in in a losing season. Whenever the Canadians were doing something that was remotely good, people just kind of hopped on that. I still will put their atmosphere against anybody's, but just looking at how Colorado has looked, like I I don't think it's that controversial to say right now in among all the Stanley Cup playoff teams. Their fans are the best of anyone so far. And I like I see all these other markets who use the postseason as an opportunity to kind of big up their fans and people like in Carolina saying like, yeah, our guys are good with the storm surge and all that. But Colorado, man, I mean, if you're a ball arena guy like you or a person just in that arena, man, you can lay claim to being among some of the best fans in the league right now. The third thing I want to bring up, you want to be like the Colorado Avalanche. And if you're a GM, if you're any other GM in the league right now and you want to be t- and you want to be the Colorado Avalanche, good luck because you need the high quality talent at almost every position, but it's at least something I'm glad if you're going to try to be that ambitious. I'm glad that you know we're looking at we're, if we're in a copycat league as we always say that we are with the National Hockey mm-hmm. League that you want to embody a team that is always on the puck, has a deadly transition game, one of the fastest teams you can see in the National Hockey League and have high quality talent as opposed to just hoping and praying that putting tape at different points on your team and hoping you have a really good goaltender can put you through to the Stanley Cup playoffs. If everybody wants to be on the level of the Colorado Avalanche, even the Tampa Bay Lightning to a certain extent as well, but especially if you want to be on the level of the, of a, of a Colorado Avalanche, it, can only, it should only mean good things going forward for how the NHL should look. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's it's a tall task though uh it's a tall task to get the roster is one thing but if you're just looking for atmosphere i don't know just playing the right music is kind of a thing that could help like god love cotton eye joe but i don't know if we need to hear that ever again in an nhl arena 
and expect it to hit like all the small things or all these other songs. You mentioned Carolina. They play great music at, uh, I think, PNC. I think it's PNC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, play, they, they play awesome they play, music. And it gets people Petey fired Pablo. up. Yeah, they yeah, play Petey Raise Pablo, Up by Petey, Petey Pablo. is their goal song, right? And yeah, they're playing like Nelly, Murphy, Lee, I heard. Like everyone's like rocking. Like it's great. You have to play to the crowd to a certain extent. And the Leafs, it's like, okay, uh, we're going to jam history down your throat and we're going to play uh, the hockey song during the second, you know, at a point in the second in, uh, period. Like, it's just so telegraphed all the way. And I get that's because you see it all the time, but like, it should be a party atmosphere. It shouldn't wait, be wait, wait. nervous energy. It should be fun. And that Colorado's cheering when they're coughed up a lead. They don't care. They just keep going because they're drinking beers. They're partying. They're enjoying the music. It's an entertainment opportunity. That's what it should be. It's, it's Colorado setting the pace for everything right now. Okay, this is the last point I want to make on this impromptu leaves corner. Can I chalk you down as among those people who would very much love the Toronto Maple Leafs goal song to change? I actually don't mind the goal song. Interesting. I don't mind I, I it think, either, but there's a lot fits. of a lot of people who don't like it. I, I, I just think it I don't love the wind song as much as I like the goal song. I think the goal song mm. does work though. It's just like it, it's more everything else between the whistles with mm. that arena for me at least uh, i think they need to overhaul things a little bit but again you've created something that's a guaranteed money maker you're probably going to go back to the well uh back to the series um the reason why colorado was celebrating so much is that seven goals were scored and andre vasilevsky has the worst start of his career postseason or regular season uh giving up seven goals he gave up seven goals once before so it matched his worst ever game did you do you think he should have been pulled did john cooper make a mistake not lifting him from that game i this is such a difficult topic i think if it was getting to six or seven i could understand why you were pulled because at that point you're not winning the game but the people who were bringing up that discussion at like the first or second inter, at like the first intermission of the game like i felt like at that point even if it was like three or four nothing if you're going to pull Andre Vasilevsky, you might as well wave the white flag because Brian Elliott is not saving you. No disrespect to yeah. Brian Elliott. Been in the NHL for a very long time. Knows a thing or two about being a goalie. You want to put him up against Colorado? Nah, don't do that. Do not do that. He has not played a minute in this postseason. Do not do that. Um, I, I I think that Andre Vasilevsky has gotten, I mean, he's obviously gotten done to this point. He is the best hope they have in net and pulling him, I think, would just invite a lot of unnecessary controversy. And I obviously, I'm sure Vasilevsky would not appreciate that. I think John Cooper is totally within his rights to keep him in the net. No, I think it was the right decision too. I, I don't, you're right about the white flag. You're right about conceding. Is it, is it sort of acceptable or palatable to concede when you're down five, six and seven, nothing? Sure. I guess you're not going to win that game. Um, but I think, you know, if if you're trying to save him for game three, he just had two nights off. He just, you know, it, it is what it is at this point. If he's taxed, he's taxed. And he obviously had enough rest uh, with those two games off to play the full game. Uh, that shouldn't be an excuse. But I think more than anything else, it's like Vasilevsky's played every second of these last two championship runs. And to this point in this run, and to take the ability, if the Lightning do come back, to say, this guy played every second of three consecutive Stanley Cups to take that away from him just to like 
get Brian Elliott a chance to play in the Stanley Cup final or to feign, hey, we've got to show our team that we didn't we didn't play hard enough for our goaltender tonight. Like that's all BS to me. Uh, Vasilevsky's should, has earned the opportunity to dictate when he's in and when he's out. And I think he would have wanted to stay in. And I think leaving that open, that possibility of playing every second in three consecutive Stanley Cups is worth anything you could possibly gain from taking him from that game. So I, I agree he should have stayed in. And, and I don't know if this is wild to say, but I have a very hard time putting all of this on Vasilevsky if you're Tampa Bay. I don't necessarily think he's he's not the reason why they they're in this position. He's not the reason why they're 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 down to own this series. I mean, do you want him to be a better goalie? Sure, but he's he's if you think of so many other reasons why the Tampa Bay Lightning are are in the position they're in right now, I do not have Andre Andre Vasilevsky as the number one person to blame. I I, I no. have a hard time thinking that. No, I mean, I think he's his performance has reflected the teams uh, when they had a chance in game one. It was because he was suddenly great in that second period and gave the lightning a chance to get back into it. And they've just been outperformed the entire series. And the fact that they gave up seven is more reflective of the team and the coaching uh, than it is the goaltender, I think. And just a word on the coaching for a second. I mean, Jared Bednar deserves way more credit than he's getting. Like, I, I think. You know, Colorado plays with a speed that no one can match. I think that's very evident. The fact that they were way faster than Edmonton, which is a very fast team, and are just running circles around or skating circles around the Lightning right now is a personnel thing. But, you know, like anything else in the world, like, I don't know, an orchestra, if there's many, if there's more pieces, if there's more, if the, if the difficulty level is harder, if there's more things that you have to control as a coach, that means like, you have not that it's like reining in the horses or whatever, but to play that fast, to use that speed is because your structure is on point. Everything that they are doing is on point to play with that type of speed you need. And for it to take it to take advantage of it, like they have, you need to be well coached. You need to be well structured. Jared Bednar deserves a lot of credit for not just deploying speed, but having that team play with such speed, so structurally sound. Uh, I think I think he deserves a lot of credit for how this team is playing right now because it's one thing to have speed. It's another thing to use that speed correctly. I think the way that Colorado has played from a defensive standpoint deserves so much more praise. I mean, the fact that the Lightning had, what, 16 shots in game two, which apparently uh, is like the lowest we've seen uh, in a finals games in, in like five years. Like, like I, 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 and in game one as well, I don't think Tampa Bay had that many shots either. Colorado almost doubled their shot output compared to what Tampa has been able to provide. There are so many instances where Tampa's trying to get some shot off from, you know, a, a side angle or from distance. They are losing in the high danger chance battle. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and whenever they do get a shot off, Colorado is able to get that puck and they are able to maintain possession and almost every time turn it into a scoring chance going the other way. I think with the way that they play in transition, their speed deserves a ton of credit, and it has led a lot to some offense and ultimately some wins. But the fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team who we expected to be the better defensive team and find a way to shut down the offensive firepower, like that, blo- I think it blows my mind that, that Colorado has actually turned out to be the better defensive team of these two sides. Valerie Nechuskin 
who I'm sure we're going to get to at some point, mm-hmm. uh, providing some offense. But he has shown why he's one of the better two-way forwards in the game right now. Like they're, they're playing well defensively. I think of this one particular play. I think it was like that was it was the goal that made it six or seven nothing where Ross Colton is taking the he makes a steal behind the net and he's trying to put this puck. I don't know to who because there's no one else on the ice with him, but there are at least three or four, three or four Colorado Avalanche guys who are around the front of the net. It happens to go off an abs player skate. It goes up and Darren Helm is able to take that baby up and get Mm -hmm. that shot off and score like that happened. Yes, it's a mistake, but that happens because of how Colorado is playing in front of their goaltender and Darcy Kemper hasn't had to go above and beyond himself to beat Andre Vasilevsky. And that, and the goaltending matchup was something I thought about heading into the series too. But a big reason why Darcy Kemper has looked as good as he's looked and he hasn't had to stand on his head as much as maybe we thought he would have to against Andre Vasilevsky is because of how Colorado has played defensively. And that deserves a lot of praise. I'm pretty sure Colorado uh, reduced the avalanche to no few or no more than 10 shot attempts per period. And when you talk about score effects or per period, at least in game two, uh, and probably at, at times in, in game one as well. Um, but you talk about score effect, like they've been trailing this entire series, at least it seems. And yet they cannot turn the pressure that they have to mount into anything. Like even when they are so focused on one thing, one aspect, we got to press here. We got to get one. We got to save face to some extent. They can't. They can't break through the walls. And Colorado is hitting them on the transition on the counterattack. We expected the lightning to get their offense on the counterattack, but it's been Colorado uh, doing it far, far better. You mentioned Darren Helm. Who's wearing his number 43, uh, by the way, like who is playing instead in, in place of Darren Helm. Like I thought this guy was dead and gone in the NHL and he's been a difference maker in that bottom six. I mean, it's just, it's uniform. It's all the way through every single player is contributing and even with Nazem Kadri out like they got Andrew Cogliano back they took out uh Nick Obey Kubel who's like a pretty productive and uh reliable guy out of that bottom six like they are just they are bulletproof right now at least it seems so the the lightning have to make an adjustment here is there something they can do I mean John Cooper has been the master of adjustments the lightning themselves have been the uh have they been the epitome of resiliency in the Stanley Cup playoffs if there's, it's clear that something has to change. What can the Lightning do to win back some of these shifts and finally get a lead or even a victory in this series? I think just whatever matchups, they, whatever positive matchups they can get at home, having lost change, they need to identify them quickly and they need to exploit those. I think that's the best chance. I think the pressure on the Tampa Bay Lightning, no one should be feeling it more than John Cooper because you know you got your guys are are your guys. And it's on John Cooper to figure out a game plan that could find a way to beat the Colorado Avalanche. And I think them being at home, and I don't know if you you have to find a way to 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 get the Kucherov line up against more of the bottom six guys, or or putting Anthony Sorelli in better positions. I'm not sure what you do, but I think just having that opportunity for a last change at home that is what you have to use to your advantage for the next two games that I think for John Cooper, he has to do that over these next two games. Yeah. I think he needs a lineup change too. I mean, it's one thing I think to get um, home ice a little bit more control of the matchups, but guess what? No matchups are working. Like I think they have to create an advantage somewhere. And I think that probably I wrote about this after game one, 
is that the presence of maybe a super shutdown line would help where you're elevating Braden point to the wing with Anthony Sorelli. And you've got two of the best defensive centers on one line or two of the best defensive forwards that the lightning have on one line. Uh, because right now McKinnon, Nikushkin and Landis cog. I mean, they can't be stopped. They're both or all three of them. I think as that top line are running at about 75% possession, like every time they're on the ice, they are absolutely swarming the lightning. And more often than not, it's been Sorelli that they've been feasting on, but they've done it against Stamkos and Kucherov on that top line. You need to figure out something that can stop the bleeding. At least that, uh, that avalanche top line has been able to provide. Uh, so far. So I, I think they need to go back to the third line that they used to get through the Rangers and the Panthers, which is Paul and Hagel and uh, Kalorn, I believe three, three defensive forwards in, in it in themselves, but they didn't have point before. So flex point it's worked without point, try to get point onto that second line to help Sorelli. Maybe that way you can win back some of the matchups. Maybe that way you can free up Stamkos and Kucherov a little bit. But I think something has to change because right now, as these top three lines match up against each other, Avalanche are winning every second of these matchups, at least it seems. Yeah, and, and even a guy like Alex Kaloran hasn't looked all that great. And even if you want to look at the defense, Victor Hedman through these last two games too, yeah. he has looked like a shell if of If anyone's run into a wall, it seems like it's Victor Hedman. Oh, my God. Like, I'm, I'm stunned at what we've been able to see from Victor Hedman, a guy who can lay claim to being a top three defenseman in this league. I, I, he's just getting burned. He's getting caught on, on bad opportunities. That same Darren Helm goal. He's the defenseman who gets burned near the end. Like he mm-hmm. kind of misplays that and it leads to a scoring chance. Like even if the lightning find themselves with, a, oh, excuse me, with a good shutdown line, like the defense has not held up at all. And when you have your top defenseman not being up to snuff, like that hurts a lot of your chances to try to get back in the series. Victor Hedman, all situations uh, on ice goal differential. Avalanche outscoring him five to one. He's got a 42% possession right now, 36% shots for possession. Uh, the expected goals are at 38.7%. I mean, he's having a woeful series. Uh, he doesn't look like the same player. Um, nope. And if he's beat up, if he can't contribute the way that they need him to be as a legitimate number one guy, uh, if McDonough and Cernak continue to not be able to handle the top line of Nathan McKinnon uh, and Nikushkin, uh, then there's really not an answer, I don't think. Uh, so clearly they need improved individual performances across the board, but I think Cooper's got to figure out something that can change up some dynamic here because, uh, as I mentioned, Colorado has owned the run of play uh, pretty thoroughly at this point. Uh, what do you do? What do you do if you're the Lightning? And you have great players up at forward, great players on defense, the best goalie in the league right now. And none of those options can stop a team. Like, what do you do? It's not, it's like Tampa on paper. Like you tip your cap, you say, Hey man, better luck next year, I guess. But like, this is such a difficult situation. This isn't like Dallas or Montreal where you could look at the team and say, man, there's some deficiencies on this side. Like they, they really can't hang with these guys. On paper, we said these two teams should be able to fight with each other. It should be like, I don't know, some big like Godzilla fight or something. I don't know. But it hasn't worked. They haven't looked good enough. Like, like, what, what do you do? Like, you can't justify pulling Vasilevsky for Elliott. You can't justify scratching Victor Hedman. You can't justify scratching 
what like I'm not saying Nikita Kucherov should deserve being scratched, but like you can't justify scratching any of your top forwards. I mean, unless Braden Point is just way no. too banged up to play. And even if you put him on that shutdown line, there's no guarantee. I mean, yes, Braden Point has looked okay, but there's no guarantee he'll be able to withstand that. I don't know. This must be the most frustrating situation to be in where you've been a good team for so long. You have run through all these teams. And it's one thing if you run up against a really tough challenger and you're giving everything that you have. And you know what? You, you just one bounce doesn't go your way and you miss. But through two games, you have been thoroughly outclassed. And I can understand they came back in game one, but Colorado still looked like the better team. This must be so frustrating for John Cooper and the Tampa Bay Lightning to have been the best for so long and then run into a point where they are not the best and they are possibly looking at the next best team for mm-hmm. years to come. This must be so frustrating. Yeah, you met your match, but, you know, frustration is is omnipresent across the NHL. Like, this, that's a, that's a feeling that they've, yeah, experienced on the way to their two Stanley Cups, but not to the utmost degree, uh, clearly, because they've been able to survive every opponent. I feel like they've just met their match finally uh, in the Colorado Avalanche again. We expected this. It could go long. You know, we've flirted with the idea. I took Tampa. You flirted with that idea. Uh, it's not over yet, but it feels like these two teams are not on the same playing field right now. And as I mentioned, the Avalanche are in the precipice of history. Uh, they have a 14 and two record so far in this postseason. Like, I don't know if we're like talking about how historically dominant they've been enough. They're averaging 4.75 goals per game, which is going to be if they win the Stanley Cup I think a full goal better than the next best I think it's a goal and a half better than what Tampa did last year like they are changing sort of the the entire way we think about a Stanley Cup winning team like it's usually done through that staunch defense and brilliant goaltending but Colorado is scoring at a pace that would be considered historic in the salary cap era if prolonged through a Stanley Cup playoffs or a regular season almost five goals per game it's in, it's incredible, and it's making me think back on Edmonton and St. Louis and maybe to a lesser extent Nashville. Like, do you credit the St. Louis Blues for taking two games off the Avalanche? I think you do. I, I mean, I think we should be – I don't think we should forget that. I almost want to credit Edmonton because they looked – the Oilers looked more competitive than the Lightning have been, even though there were some blowout games there. Like, at least the Oilers were able to score some goals, to mount some offense. That's not something we've seen from Tampa Bay. So – my main take at home is like credit St. Louis because they were, they were in that series, Colorado. It was, you know, it was white knuckle time for a little bit at, in that series, a late goal from again, Darren Helm, who's playing for Darren Helm uh, in that game six, St. Louis was competitive. So that's been the one that's been the only challenge so far, really. Uh, And we're, we're watching what could be the most dominant Stanley cup championship run in history through this lightning or through this avalanche team. Uh, and they've done it without Nazem Kadri and Sam Girard. It's and 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 again with the uh, I say again because I mentioned this on Twitter. They came into this series with the inferior goalie to Tampa, and that definitely matters. Also, the guy playing for Darren Helm, probably the 2009 Darren Helm, who <laughs> won a Stanley Cup that year. I have a hard time giving St. Louis or any of these other opponents credit, though. Congratulations to the St. Louis Blues who took two more wins off the Colorado Avalanche than they did the year prior. Okay. You only took off two wins. That's half of it. You know, like if I send in half an article, my editor's <laughs> not going to give me credit for sending in half an article. You'll be like, where's the rest of it? Job's not finished. Hey, <laughs> it could be the best 350 words you ever put down. 
I don't know, man. Like, come on. How, how many people give Montreal credit for, for getting one win off of Tampa last year? No, congratulations. You won one game in overtime. Who cares? You didn't win. I have a hard time doing that. And I'm sorry, not to crush Edmonton here. Thanks for thanks for the games. Thanks for the thanks for the goal scoring. But y'all didn't take yeah. any wins. I'm no, that's that's Adam. true. That's true. I mean, uh, what about Connor Ingram? Definitely. You got you got you got to haul out Connor Ingram for you know not getting shellacked playing for your. I mean, you know what? Fine. Maybe yeah. he deserves some credit because that was a rough situation he put in. He was good. He didn't win. A certain point. You didn't no, win, they... man. And Colorado Avalanche just have just been so good, so dominant. If they find a way to win Game Three and Game Four in Tampa. They'll have gone through a postseason undefeated on the road. How many teams in the po- in the postseason have ever done that, where they have been undefeated on the road the entirety of a postseason? Their two wins, their two losses were at home against St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe you give a little bit of credit to the Blues for that. But a team going undefeated on the road throughout the entirety of a postseason, I have to look this up for myself. I can't think of too many other teams who have ever done that. I know the Kings were dominant, uh, especially on the, they were dominant at home. I think they were dominant on the road too. Of course you're dominant if you're going to go 16 and four over the course of a Stanley cup playoff. But uh, if they win two of the next three, the avalanche will have bested the 2012 Kings in that regard. Uh, They've been amazing. Uh, I'm going to give a little credit to St. Louis, probably a stretch to give any to Edmonton, but the most credit belongs to the Colorado avalanche who are setting a new standard here uh, in terms of postseason beastliness um we mentioned Valer- valeri nikushkin earlier uh he's been the standout i think at least in terms of forwards for the for the avalanche i keep saying the lightning it's like in my head like if anything i should be saying positive it should we be expect lightning them, we expect them to be great done that together over the last two years for so much for so long uh but the colorado avalanche if they're being led at least up front right now it seems like it's valeri nikushkin who's uh at least uh, assumed a lot of that credit here in this series versus the lightning. Are you buying into any of the talk of him maybe winning the con Smythe? I think going into game two, the odds were like ridiculous, put a dollar down, win 125, like long, long, long shot stuff. But I think it's down to like, you'd win only 25 bucks if you did it this morning after he scored another two goals in game two has three in the series uh, has 13 points in 16 playoff games. I don't know if that's con Smythe worthy, um, but he has been a main driver here for the Avalanche. So are you buying into that narrative at all? Is there any chance that Navalary Nikushkin uh, from, you know, from the, from the back of the line jumps in front and claims that individual hardware? I like the idea of him being considered. I also, as another takeaway, probably should have taken you up on that $125. I could have won if I bet on him. I guess I got to start really betting on these things and not just it's doing worth a loony, maybe. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I, I, I wonder if people are still going to look at Kale McCarr or, or, or someone else on the abs, but I'll say this, like the fact that he turned himself from a guy who seemed kind of lost in the NHL, remember he was in Dallas at one point, like he just was not seeming to fit that he goes to the KHL and comes back. Like he's turned himself into a, a solid contributor with the abs. And it looks as if the abs might want him back, uh, in for oh, next yeah. year, cause he's going to be a UFA, yeah. uh, as a constant guy. Back. I think if he continues to keep this up there, you could make the argument he could be it. I think Kale McCarr, if he continues to put up points, which he should, uh, by the way, uh, I mean, you probably might know this, but uh, do you know there's only one other defenseman in the history of the league who has averaged more playoff points than Kale, than Kale McCarr per game? There's one defenseman. 
one. Assume, assume it's the great Bobby Orr? It is Bobby Orr. He is the only defenseman to average more playoff points per game than Caleb McCarr. That's career, too. Have that, right? that, that's not this, this run, right? That's, that's career. That's, career. that's yeah. career. That is career. When you have that going for you, like I, I think that's kind of tough to kind of go against Caleb McCarr for, for playoff MVP. But Big Val has a very big case on his hands, considering how he and the rest of that supporting cast for Colorado have played. He's kind of led that charge, especially in the absence of arguably their biggest supporting cast member in Nazem Khadri, who at this point we might not even see in this series. The Avalanche might not even need him in this series. No, I don't think they're going to. Big Val has been amazing, uh, but he's not a conspite guy. I mean, it's 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 probably still Makar. The odds would reflect that. I think a lot of the stuff you're seeing on broadcast with the little Father's Day, Kale McCarr's dad interviewed mm. by Kyle Bukowskis, then scoring twice on both sides of the special teams equation. That shorthanded goal was so simple, but it was mm. one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Like he is so smooth, he is so graceful. It was just beautiful. I loved it so much, uh, and the fact that he was being able to that he was able to get on the board with two goals, his first points of the series. I think his nose, you know, pulls out more in front of Nathan McKinnon, who would be the other, I think, candidate for Colorado. He's been a little bit quiet. He's been one of the few that haven't really registered on the score sheet yet in the Stanley Cup final for the Avalanche. But Nikushkin's making himself more money. He's making himself more of a brand name here in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, and he's putting himself in position to make even more money, but he's probably not the con Smythe guy. I was listening to 32 Thoughts this morning, and uh, Elliot Friedman made a good point on his future um, so he said that Colorado is, you know, prioritizing, uh, mm-hmm. bringing Nikushkin back, but more important than that, when it talks about a potential, uh, reunion or keeping the, keeping him in the fold, uh, is that he understands that it didn't work out in a different place. And you mentioned Dallas where he didn't score a goal or have a penalty. Not that that matters in 57. He didn't games. have a point in like a season or something like that. Yeah. It just basically was irrelevant, uh, for an entire season. It didn't work there. And it is clearly working in Colorado. So if he wants to be a productive guy, which I think he could do anywhere, listen, I think he should make more money than Evander Kane in free agency. I think he should make more than money than Nazem Kadri in free agency. He's four years younger than Kadri. He's three years younger than Kane. He's a defensive wizard. I would be trying to pry Nikushkin out of Colorado. But I think Friedman makes a great point in that he understands that this is the best place for him. And if Colorado is going to prioritize him in any way, I think that probably means he's going back to the avalanche, which is a great thing for Colorado. I mean, if he can look good there and continue to win there, what else is there to to complain about, I guess? I mean, fine, you can make some money in another market, but maybe it might not work out and you might end up getting bought out at one point. I like the idea that, you know, if you're not going to make as much money elsewhere, you might as well do it on a team where you're going to at least – not guaranteed, but maybe guaranteed to make the playoffs and go on deep runs for the next how many years, not to mention playing alongside the great core of, of, of Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr at all. Like I, if you're going to put yourself in a situation, that's a pretty good situation to put yourself in. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to play with Nathan McKinnon and you're going to run up 75% possession in the Stanley cup final and score three goals in two games, uh, it's pretty obvious you're in the best spot. It might not be in the most profitable spot, but certainly the best spot to be a impact NHL player. You mentioned making money. You can't really make that much money. I don't think on the consummate trophy. If you're looking into that, as you mentioned, uh, Kale yeah. McCarr is now a big favorite. Have to put $175 down to win a hundred dollars. He's a minus 175 favorite, but maybe there's a little value on Nikushkin. If he keeps scoring goals 
for the Avalanche and making it a little bit more difficult for the Colorado Avalanche to maybe retain his services. Uh, is there anything else, Julian? Um, there's some news this week. John Tortorella, of course, uh, hired by the Philadelphia Flyers. I don't really care about that hiring. It's like a match made in heaven, really. Uh, dysfunction on dysfunction for me. Uh, a team that should be giving up on things, should be rebuilding, but refuses to, and is now turning to someone who can get better performance out of a team, but pretty limited performance, maybe a pretty firm ceiling. Uh, It doesn't speak to me like something that's going to have a major impact on the NHL next season, Tortorella going to Philadelphia, but maybe you have a different opinion. Small correction here. Uh, Big Val in his last year in Dallas had no goals, not no points. I just want to get that cleared up. No points would have been tough. That would have been real tough. Um, John Torrell in Philly. The only thing I want to see is him interact with Gritty. That is really the only thing I care about with John Tortorella in Philadelphia. I think that he's a good coach. I don't think he's necessarily – yes, I know he's one, but I think for right now he might not necessarily be the ideal coach you would want in the National Hockey League. He would have worked out – he worked out in 2004. In 2022, he's not high on my list of guys I would want. But as far as I'm concerned, the only thing I really want to see – is like him like looking exasperated on a bench and like gritty just looking silly behind him because John Tortorella is a guy who is very no nonsense, no bullshit. Like, and he would have no time for some big, ugly orange monster trying to get in his way. Like, we, I don't think you understand here. This might be as close as we get to, uh, was it Craig McTavish who pulled like the tongue oh, yeah. from Harvey the Hound? This might be mm-hmm. the closest we get to like a coach mascot encounter because of this partnership. And I understand this is very nonsensical what I'm bringing up here and not at all uh, in-depth thought and analysis on this, but I, this is, this is, this is what we need in the (laughs) NHL. Do you understand how people would react to the Twitter streets? If like, even if John Torello did like an ugly look Gritty's way, oh my goodness, the mean potential. I wonder if there's an amendment to Gritty's like job description heading into the 2022-23 season where it's just like by under no circumstances go near John. Don't go near the head coach. You're going to be on the other side of the rank. You're not going to interact with the Tortorella. You're not going to ever speak or be in the presence of Tortorella. You're going to be completely separate from the coaching staff. That's your new job description, Gritty. The freedom is no longer. You have to uh, act like not other not like other uh, uh, mascots, but you're just not going to, you're not going to have the same shtick because John Tortorella is just not going to stand for your antics. Also uh, the fact that we've seen people like Brandon Dubinsky uh, applaud the hire from a distance. I don't think that's necessarily a great look on the Philadelphia Flyers either. I think it was Zach Wierenski also in someone's comments on IG saying, hey, it's a great job, and Cam Atkinson be like, hey, mind your business. This does not look good. If, if you have his former players... Yeah, they're openly, all joking around about it behind the scenes. Like, that's not good. That's no. not good at all. I'm and sorry. And he's making so much money. He's making so yeah. much money, too. They like signed it's, him for four years. Yeah. It's crazy. Look, Philly, John, Philly is... And the, and the talk around Philly is that it's like they're going to be really aggressive this summer. Like, they're going to be hilarious because Chuck Fletcher, an aggressive Chuck Fletcher, is maybe the worst general manager in the in the NHL. Like, he's just completely – he can't make big deals. Like, 
you want to be calling Chuck Fletcher right now because you want to figure out a way to like pry what little of uh, what little talent there still remains there that can be useful to uh, you because you might be able to pull off a bit of a heist against Chuck, old Chuck right now. Uh, Bro, maybe Chuck Fletcher, look at that. Or someone like that. Big, yo, Chuck Fletcher, look at that. Big Val right now saying, let's get him at 100 mil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 10, 10, well, not 10 times 10, but he's throwing Ooh. the bag at Nikushkin. I could see that Ooh, for man. sure. Nah, nah, I just nah. think Big Val probably knows better. I, I would hope so because like that's another thing like why people if all these players are making fun of tortorella like why would anyone in free agency other than the fact that there's some limited amount of money being thrown around in the nhl these days because it's absorbed by a lot of you know current contracts why would anyone want to go into that situation i just thank you it doesn't make any sense for the like, like philadelphia flyers like but nothing stock. makes sense because they should be going into a rebuild, but the ownership, the contract, TV contracts, all that stuff demand that they don't, but it's just going to result in exactly what we saw this year, which is a team that is nowhere close to being competitive in the metropolitan division. People talk about jobs and moving from jobs to jobs and what they hear about certain situations. If they could do it all the damn time. Of course. So players do this and you are not going to make a fool out of me and tell me that if a guy gets an offer from Philly with John Tortorella there, they may not, they're not going to talk to their boys and be like, well, what do you know about John Tortorella? And that might scare them off. Who knows? Maybe they might not be scared. Maybe they might actually like John Tortorella. I'm sure there are some people in this league who like him, but it is not a good look when players, former players of his are openly mocking this on social media. And we see it. We see it. We are not in the pre-social media days where it's just hearsay behind the behind the scenes. We are on the internet now. We out here seeing people. You know what? Let me not bring up that Twitter video from last week. Like, if we, we see things on hockey Twitter now. We see things. We see it. Mm-hmm. We're not dumb. We're not blind. So if we see it as people, some free agent out there knows what's out there and has better access and better resources to talking to an agent and other players about what the situation like could, could be like playing under John Tortorella. And I'm with you. Yeah. I don't, if I was a free agent, I don't know if I want to play there off of what I'm hearing. I mean, no disrespect to John Tortorella. I don't know if I want that. Yeah. Even I just if think I'm getting thrown the bag. The pretty much other than the amount of money that might be on the table, there's going to be a better option for pretty much every free agent considering where they might take their career. Uh, because Philadelphia is, a bit of a trash fire and they've now got the most they've now got the most combustible coach in the entire nhl uh behind the bench uh the nhl awards are this week tuesday which means by midweek kale mccarr could be a norris winner a consummate trophy winner and a stanley cup champion uh but it's not i guess a guarantee that he wins the norris trophy roman yossi will have something to say for that of course uh do you expect or anticipate any surprises with matthews being front runner for hard and Maybe a two-horse race for the Norris. Moritz Sider maybe being the the Calder favorite. Uh, and Shester can probably going to wrap up that Vesna trophy. Any surprises, you think? I mean, considering how you named off everything, it feels like you almost spoiled the NHL awards because I don't feel as if we're <laughs> going to have any surprises. The only thing I'll say is, remember at the beginning of the playoffs, I said, you know, imagine if Austin Matthews wins the heart and, and Connor McDavid's still in the playoffs and we're seeing how dominant Connor's been. And while Austin Matthews absolutely deserves the heart, we're all kind of looking at Connor just being like, well, Connor's still technically the better player. And, you know, geez, you know, kind of sucks. He didn't win the heart. We might 
do that with the Norris Trophy with Kale McCarr if he loses to Roman Yossi. Because Roman Yossi played his ass off this year in the playoff, in, in the regular season. But Kale McCarr, this postseason, I, he's established himself not only as the best defenseman in the league, but as a top five player in the National Hockey League. And him not winning the Norris, I, it just maybe I'm just focusing too much on optics and perception, but like I, I, I think that's just going to come up. Because Roman Yossi, this might be his best chance to win a Norris Trophy, and he will deserve it if he wins. But Kale McCarr should be up for a Norris Trophy for the next decade. There might be a little attention on Connor McDavid uh, in Vegas if this is indeed an in-person thing uh, this week, the NHL awards, but we shall see how that all shakes down. I wonder for if the award uh, and not anything else for, for the award. It'll be interesting to see if he wins the award. Um, <laughs> uh, I wonder if maybe we should vote, you know, they vote for the general manager halfway through the first or second round or whatever. Maybe we should be doing that. Maybe, maybe it should be more than a regular season award. I'm at least open to having that conversation because you're right. It looks a little silly after seeing what Connor McDavid did over the last month and change compared to what Austin Matthews did over the last month and change. You're giving the most valuable player award likely to Austin Matthews, even though I do believe he deserves it this year. Uh, but again, conversation for another day. I Tire pumps. Just, just Go ahead. Last, Sorry. Thing. last thing. Do it like the NBA and hand out like the trophies like during the playoffs like i like that too i don't know i why love that like... idea like austin matthews had a baller season he should be able to celebrate the 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 heart trophy before could you imagine what scotia bank arena would be like before like a game five of the first round of the playoffs and austin matthews gets the heart trophy in front of everyone i understand that fans would be at that point like okay we want to see them win around but like that's enough a little to extra wow juice people. to the building. Come yeah. on. I think that's just a natural idea. I understand that maybe some people like the NHL awards. Maybe you want to see Keenan Thompson, who actually does a pretty good job, host the NHL awards. I maybe you'd like the glitz and the glamour and you want to be out at these events, but like I don't care that much about the NHL awards. Maybe we'll talk about it on zone time or do something fun with that, but like. I don't really care about the NHL awards like that. I, I don't. I'm sorry. I just don't. Like, it's it's, it's not that I, exciting. Yeah, I care who wins. I don't care, you know, the pomp and circumstance around it generally because it's never that great. Um, but, you know, again, we, this is going to be is, – is it on ESPN? Is the first try for ESPN? Maybe they can build it a little bit up a little bit more so it can be at least, at least a little bit more entertaining or legitimize it. But I, I'm with you. I think uh, right after the season would be great. I care about who wins. Don't really care about all that goes into it. And I think waiting for it kind of distracts you from what it was. Like, I don't even remember Matthew's season as much as anymore because we're so immersed in what's happening right now. And it's not a distraction, clearly, because Kale McCarr might win the Norris and then play in a elimination game four with a chance to win the Stanley Cup. So you can't really you can throw that argument at the window that it's a distraction or whatever, because they're literally putting it on during the playoffs uh, as well. So anyway, uh, not a big deal. Again, we'll talk about it on zone time this week. Likely as you teased uh let's go to the tire pumps where we bestow praise on anything and everything in the hockey world or adjacent to the hockey world i'm giving it to the crowd in denver we talked about it off the top uh it is the best crowd in hockey they are full value for their performance so far in these stanley cup playoffs the sing-alongs are fantastic the amount of enthusiasm shown throughout the game is fantastic and again i hope tampa wins at least one because the opportunity for Colorado to win at home in a game five would be awesome. Your pump. 
uh tire pump uh shout out blink 182 man just all the small things it's just an incredible song and the fact that we get to appreciate it through this playoff run uh I think it's just incredible to have. Oh, honorable mentions, uh, Jack Johnson, uh, my colleague at The Athletic, Josh Yohe, wrote a great column on him. Uh, he seemed like he used a meme when he was in Pittsburgh, but now he has an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup. He also mm-hmm. graduated from the University of Michigan earlier this week uh, in general studies. Uh, so, yeah, he deserves an honorable mention. Obviously, Big Val uh, getting an honorable mention as well. Um, and I guess for Canadians fans who love Shea Weber, uh, you know, Tire pump for for those guys too. I mean, Shea Weber was a uh, as best as he could a consummate professional for the Montreal Canadiens as long as he was there. Uh, I didn't get to deal with him that much in the media, uh, but I'm sure there were a lot of fans who loved him. Uh, so yeah, I'll acknowledge that as well. Still really interesting that the Canadians were able to pull off that trade. I just had to acknowledge it in some way. Just really interesting. Yeah, the uh, quality summer continues for the Canadiens and Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. Uh, it's a big move. It's an important move uh, in moving forward. And I was a little skeptical that it was truly over for Shea Weber after that cup run last year. But this pretty much seals it. Uh, we will not be seeing Shea Weber on the ice again in the NHL. That is for sure. Um, yeah, shout out to Blink-182. Mark Hoppus, I believe, introduced the song during one of the breaks. I think your colleague, Peter Baugh shared that on Twitter, but we need to get Mark, Tom and Travis in, yes. in Colorado, in Denver for game five. If it's going to happen. Shout out to the Mark, Tom and Travis show. One of my favorite CDs, very vulgar. So uh, it's a not safe for <laughs> warning, but I pretty much grew up on that CD. And the fact that I, my old man can actually like hold his own in a Blink-182 discussion with Kyle Bukowskis is probably because I played that CD a million times in his presence and he actually allowed it despite that vulgarity. So shout out <laughs> again, as we wrap this up to the fathers, to Blink-182, to the crowd in Denver, to you, Julian McKenzie. Uh, it's been a fun show. It's been a fun ride. Hopefully we get the best possible ending And if that's game five in Colorado, then so be it. But I guess holding out hope still that Tampa gets back into this series somehow, some way, but it is looking a little bleak and it's looking like our friend Sam Chang is going to have all the bragging rights. uh, Oh, Sam Chang on zone time this week. She's going to stunt on everybody, bro. (laughs) Jeez. She will never be a Vancouver Cucks fan again. No, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have two teams. I'll just say that hmm yeah mm-hmm. all right uh let's wrap it up that's the yahoo sports hockey podcast i'm justin that's julian thanks again julian peace when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.